Welcome everybody to the Dr. GV show. Today we are here with Amy Hogan and I am absolutely thrilled, blessed, honored to be having this conversation with Amy. Uh, every time we seem to have a conversation, it's eye-opening, it's awakening and it just uh, it always leaves sand in my shoes, which I love, you know, slightly uncomfortable with, with what I thought to be true. So welcome, uh, welcome to the show, Amy. Thanks for having me. Amy, um, do you want to give a little bit of context, like a little bit of background of uh, yourself before we get into uh, the main content around storytelling and leadership? But yeah, for the sake of the audience, if you could give us a little bit of your background. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Amy Hogan. I'm a life coach and retreat leader and been doing this for about four years. I have a background in environmental sustainability. So I typically work with women and they come to me when they're at this stage of their life. And I say stage versus age because it seems to be all different stages for some people where um, they've been like living life a certain way up to this point. And then they just feel like there's this nagging feeling that something's missing in a way. They feel like maybe a bit lost, unsure, stuck. Like they know they want something to be different, but they're not sure where they want to go. And yeah, it seems that it, it always starts about career because I think for myself, like I was in government and then I left that and started my own business. So people seem very like drawn to that or how do I do that or what's that like and I think that like that might be what like draws people in but then as we have those conversations like we start talking about their career and it always goes into like I would say something a little bit deeper you know like we peel those layers back and for some it could be like they've lost their confidence along the way like they're divorce they've lost their job and they're in a different career or they've moved homes and like things have really shifted or um I was just thinking of this one client where I lost my train of thought there but she yeah it started the conversation started at around career and then it really turned into like her being afraid that when she really wanted something for herself like she wouldn't be able oh. to speak up or speak to it she had these like regrets from the past oh. so i just really love working with people where we just kind of like peel back and you might come for that like initial thing which is usually career with the people i work with and then it's just like something under those layers underneath that we kind of discover and um you know there's not like this one magic bullet like leave your job and start your own business and life is magical <laughs> you know what i mean which is something i've discovered too right like there's you're always learning and growing and shifting and um usually when sometimes i find when you start something it ends up becoming about something different like along the way you know, uh, Amy, I've known you for a few years now, and I didn't know that your background was environmental sustainability. Mm. So I, even within these first few minutes here, I've learned something new. And given that our topic today is about storytelling, and particularly in leadership, 
um, you know, I want to start us off by a few nuggets and, and a story, you know, interestingly enough. So I was looking back at the history of storytelling and um, I found that storytelling dates back to uh, the Chauvet Caves in France 30,000 years ago. So there's actually carvings in the caves that depict you know, uh, artists, you know, displaying, you know, different art forms in these cave walls. And then, of course, the Egyptian times, you know, 5,000 years ago, where it moved into more symbols and sounds and that kind of stuff. And then, um, so the progression of storytelling is fascinating. And for me, storytelling relates to leadership in the way that it's your legacy. I find storytelling directly related to, you know, the stories we tell, our great-grandparents told, our grandparents told, and, you know, it becomes this legacy of the person. Um, so here's the story that I'd like to kick us off with. So I had signed up with you to go on a retreat to Tomogamy, and the goal was to face all of my fears the claustrophobia, the being alone, no connection to the kids, like there was all of that stuff playing out. And of course, you know, throughout that process leading up to that trip, you and I had multiple conversations as I had panic attacks about going. And one of those conversations was at two o'clock in the morning. And there was a sentence, Amy, that you said to me that I will never forget. And you said, Jeevi, if you say no to going, that's just as powerful as saying yes. Mm. And that sentence, Amy, almost gave me the permission to say no, but it gave me the permission to say no with strength with control, with power, instead of feeling really guilty and shitty about not going. And so I often tell that story to people, you know, very often, I, you know, I, I can recount at least 10 to 15 times where I've told that story about, you know, how we got to that two o'clock in the morning conversation. So, you know, what I'm trying to say here that there's pivotal moments that as we tell those stories, there's always something in that story that shifts a dynamic for us going, you know, going forward or, or moving forward. So I'd love to hear your experience, of course, of that tomography on the receiver end. Sure. I'd love to share that. And I'm is it all right if I ask you a question? Yeah, please, I go do that? please. So I'm, I'm curious, like, when, like you said, you've told that story a few times, um, which I love hearing, like, it's interesting what lands with other people, you know, like, I don't even necessarily remember saying that. So it's so neat what lands, um, which I think is so important too. like, we never know how what we say impacts people you know, and how we carry it with us. Um, but as you've told it like different times, does, like, do you get something out of the time you tell it or does some, is it mean something else to you when you share it? Or do you like, I know you're always very like insightful and teasing things out. So do you ever like get something different when you like as the teller of the story? Oh, interesting question. 
Um, I don't know if I get anything different out of it because for me, it almost is like a booster injection of the pride of saying no, right? It's like every time I tell that story, it's like that booster of, you know, like that, that essence of really living into the no. But I think what happens, Amy, is every time I tell the story, I think the receiver receives it differently. Right, because the receiver, uh, some receivers have received it from the uh, perspective of the, the fear that I was dealing with and the anxiety I was dealing with of getting into the floater plane, you know, being in the canoe and all of those things. And some people don't understand that because to them that's normal, you know, getting into a float plane, getting into a canoe, it's a canoe, it's like, okay, that part of the story wasn't relevant. But what was relevant was this person who was, you know, talking to you two weeks before every time you panicked and walking and coaching you through that. So some people take that aspect of the story and some people take the really living into what does living into no mean for them. So I would say the receiving end is different. Uh, for me, it's just like a booster injection every time. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> <sighs> So good, so good. Yeah, so tell yeah. me a little bit about, actually, you know what? I'm going to ask you just what's, what's in my heart because I can't let this go. So a sustainable, you, environmental sustainability. Right. And here we are talking about storytelling. Hmm. Is there a connection? I think it's, I love how you'd like switch questions too. That's awesome. Um, and I have like goosebumps. So I'm like, Oh, something's maybe something's here, you know, yeah. I think it really is about like just the individual person and their story and their journey. And oftentimes like, I know I do it now. Like I'm always so curious about people when I meet them and tell me this and tell me that. And Sometimes like a lot of the time it's genuine curiosity. And sometimes I'm like, what are they doing? How did they do that? How did they come to do that in their, in their life? Or I'm really interested in what they're doing. And I find I almost want to like, well, maybe if they tell me how they did it, I can do it too. And not that I couldn't do it, but I just, it's like, I have to have my own process and they have their own process. And so I think too, when my clients come to me, like, we might think like, oh, the answer, the key is like, I'm going to leave my job and start this career and do all these things. Or for you, maybe it's like, I'm going to get, go on the float plane and conquer all my fears and like, life's going to be awesome. And like, in a way, not that it's not, but there's still certain things that were like, that are you that are always going to be there and in a good way. You know what I mean? It's like, we don't necessarily have to like leap off the edge all the time, I think, to really like get those lessons or have a story or uh -huh. I don't know, go where we need to go. You know, if the story is like all the little stepping stones of here leads you to there. And sometimes you don't know where you're going until you look back and you're like, okay, I see this connection was this and this led me to that and all these little points. So I think it's like, yeah, it really is maybe honoring your own story and your own path and not have, it doesn't have to be like everybody else's or doesn't have to be like, I think the word is just honoring. 
yeah, really like honoring your own journey and what you're going to learn in your own lessons. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. When we talk about honoring our own story, now every single person we meet has some sort of a story, right? Like I know my story involves um, boarding school. It involves, you know, a disownment. It involves a divorce. It involves, you know, all the achievements, the, you know, that I've achieved. Uh, involves my kids. Like there's so many elements to that story. And it's literally like that, you know, jo Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, right? There's the calling and the trough of despair and then the social network and then the elixir. Like I literally sometimes feel like I've ridden that roller coaster of a story, right? With all the plots and twists and characters. And, um, and when you say honoring your story, I'm also reminded, and I won't say this correctly, of course, but it was one of Shakespeare's quotes where it's uh, something about life is a stage play and we are merely actors coming in and out, mm. uh, you know, of the stage play. And it's always hit home for me. So let's talk about honoring your story. Like what happens in that honoring the story? So I just had like a experience come into mind so maybe I'm going to share that and the answer will will come from that so um I think it was maybe like three or four years ago just when I was starting this out and it was before I started running my own retreats and I was on this retreat and kind of similar to how like when you were going to come to mog to tomogamy and you're like I'm going to conquer these fears and I'm going to do this and part of it we were going to St. Lucia and we were climbing I think it was the Gros Piton like one of the the, the two pitons there and we we're going to climb it and it was like the summit retreat and you know part of it was like kind of like the the peak of the retreat in a sense was like the peak of us getting to the piton and having this climb and everything and you know, I thought it would be this moment when I got to the top where it was like, oh, you know, like life is going to be different after this time or something, you know? Yeah. And it was just not, it was for me. So it was very hard physically. It was very physically challenging for me. I think it took our group because we stuck together as a group, like way longer to get up there than we anticipated. And um, we ended up kind of like splitting up on the way down. And I just remember when I got like the view at halfway for me was like spectacular. And then we got to the top and I was like, this is great. Whatever. <laughs> I was just so exhausted. I couldn't really, cause all I could think about was like getting back down and I was already so exhausted. Wow. And okay. Can you remind me what your question was? If you it was honoring your story. Like what right. goes into that when you honor okay. that? Story? So yeah. And then, okay. So get to the, I'm going to keep that in my, in my mind there. So then get to the top and come back down. I ended up coming back anyways, coming back down on my own with a guide um, as our group kind of split up. And there was a point halfway on the way up. I think we were just past halfway and I was with like two or three other people on the retreat and our guide. And I just needed, like, I was really struggling. I was like, do I go on? Do I turn back? And 
I just said like, I need to sit down here for a minute. And I just sat there for a minute and like had some water and a little bit of a cry. <laughs> it was like, what do I do? And so I ended up asking my grandparents who are no longer like alive in this realm, I guess you might call it, or this on this planet, this stage of life that we're in. And just asking them like for help to get down safely or to, I don't, can't really exactly remember what I asked for in the moment. But as soon as I did, I like felt a bit lighter and I felt better and I didn't feel so like nauseous. And I had like a little boost of energy and I was like, okay, this is cool. And I didn't really, it wasn't until after when we came back down and I was like processing it. I was like, first of all, like I'd never really talked to them like that before. And then as I like processed it and maybe shared with other people, I realized that like, oh, I, maybe I can ask them anytime I want. Like I can talk to them. They're there like as angels or guides or what, what have you. Um, and so I feel like the whole part of it, I thought initially was like to get to the top and to do the thing. And then I'm like, after I realized like it didn't even really, it wasn't about getting to the top. It was about like getting to that halfway point mm. so that I would, I just got chills again, so that I would know that they were there and I could talk to them anytime I want, which now mm. I do. And I like feel, you know, like my Nana and like a tree, if I hug it, and, you know, and I'm like, now I know they're there all the time. And so I feel like honoring the story is, it's not about necessarily what you thought it might've been about, but it's about what was. And so mm -hmm. why don't you honor like what was and what really happened and, you know, maybe the experience that you didn't think you were going to have. And maybe even for you, like maybe there was something in that no that you got that you like maybe you thought it was about coming and getting in the float plane but it was about the no and the power that comes so like yeah I just feel like it it is about like the honoring yeah honoring what was and what mm -hmm. is and what you got out of it not what you thought maybe it had to be and sometimes that's where the magic is you know that I find you know when I speak of my world of magical pixie dust and you know I think that those are those moments and you reminded me of my trip to Sedona. So, uh, you know, a friend and I had gone to Sedona um, as a part of my sabbatical when I had left healthcare. And we arrived there and the birthing caves were not a part of the plan. So we had a plan as to what vortexes we were going to see, what we were going to do. So my friend told me about the birthing caves and she said, you know, Judy, maybe we could do it on the next trip. I said, oh, okay, so, you know, that's fine. So I had just done six months of cranial sacral therapy um, with, you know, a gentleman here in Vancouver, and uh, sorry, Nanaimo. And as I was going to bed, Amy, I realized that perhaps the birthing caves are the closure to the six months I had just done to the cranial sacral therapy. And it was fascinating. The next day we went for lunch and the chief that takes you to the birthing caves was at that restaurant and knew my friend from before. So came up to us and said, hey, ladies, how's it going? You know, what are you guys up to? So we started sharing and my friend said, you know, this is the gentleman that takes you to the birthing caves. 
And I looked at him and I said, you know, you probably don't have time, but you know, I'm wondering if it's something that I would want to do. And if I did, it'll probably be tomorrow. And also recognizing the desire for him to say, no, I don't have time. You know, I had that recognition thinking, oh, he's just going to say he's busy. It's like, you know, a day's notice. And, and I knew, Amy, that in my mind, I had already made up the story that I couldn't do it because it was a two-hour walk, almost a two-hour up mountain climb with no gear, nothing. And at that, you know, my with my neuropathy and all that kind of stuff, I thought there's no way to make it through the desert, you know, two hours flat and two hours climb. And, um, well, you know, guess what happened that night? He went home and sent my friend a message saying, if GV wants to do the birthing games, we can meet at six o'clock in the morning. So my friend says to me, you know, you know, this is what Jesse's saying, GV, and what do you think? And I said to her, I said, okay. You know, and I was kind of shocked. I'm like, shit, he said he's available. Darn. <laughs> so the next day, um, you know, we started walking, of course. And, and uh, Jesse asked me, he said, how are you doing? And I said, well, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And all those things, right, that the gremlins, I think you and I have had gremlin conversations before. And he said to me, he said, all you need to do, kid, is step one foot in front of the other. And at times in which you cannot, then you step one foot to the side and then step forward. And then at any point you say, let's go back. And your intention is pure to go to the birthing caves and we come back from wherever you're at. And so he started walking and he went up the mountain uh, we got to the halfway point, and much like you, I was bawling. I was like, I can't do this. This is crazy. What was I thinking? And I remember saying to Jesse, I said, what were you thinking? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he was, um, it was just so beautiful. My friend stayed at that middle point, and she started drumming. And in the mountains, when you drum, it is crazy echoes right and so she started drumming and uh she's a, a shamanic healer and jesse and i started walking up the rest of the mountain and we got to the top point and the ledge was like really really the width was really small and so i sat down on the ledge because the birthing cave was behind me and i sat down and jesse was sitting beside me and we said okay what are we doing and at this point, I was bawling. I was physically done. I was done, much like you are sharing in your stories. Absolutely done. And I looked at him and I said, what the hell were you thinking? And lots of other swear words came out of my mouth. And as I was saying them, Amy, the mountains echoed them back to me. <laughs> so every time I swore, you would hear the swear word come back. Um, and Jesse just he didn't say a word. He just sat there and played the flute didn't even acknowledge what I was saying. And at, I think it must have been at least 20 minutes, Amy, that I sat on that ledge. And then I remember just looking over at him and I said, I'm going to turn around. And he said, okay, okay, and he put his flute away. And he said, if you are going to turn around, you have to surrender to my voice. 
So you have to put your foot exactly where I'm telling you to. And you have to move in the way that I'm telling you to. So I said, okay. And then as I got up, you know, we turned around, I got into the birthing cave. And as you said, you know, as I sat there, I felt being pushed out of the cave. Like I've, I had that experience, you know, Jesse, of course, had, had the birthing experience of birthing me and all of that beautiful stuff. And then Jesse looked at me, he says, okay, two ways down the mountain. You can go back exactly the way you came or you can cat, crab crawl down the mountain. And I said, okay, well, we're gonna crab, call, crab, crab crawl down the mountain. And he said, you're insane. He says, very few people say that. Normally people say, we're just going to walk. I'm like, nope, we're getting off this mountain now. (laughs) (laughs) But I loved what you said about the story was about the was. You know, Mm -hmm. like what actually happened. And, you know, that sentence of one foot in front of the other. And sometimes you have to step sideways to go forward. I will never forget that sentence. When he asked me to surrender into his voice and let go, I will never forget that. So you're absolutely right. The story is about every step of that journey rather than the getting to the top of the mountain, getting into the birthing cave. It's not about that. And I think in business, I think people don't get that sometimes. They don't get that sometimes it's about the journey because they're so busy thinking about revenue or profit margins, you know, or key performance indicators, triple bottom line, like all of these great things that need to happen because money gives us freedom to do the things we Mm. need to. However, does that need to be our focus in our story? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're asking me that question. I'm so into what you were what you're just saying there and what you were sharing you know like it but isn't that the beauty of storytelling right there is I you can share a story I can share a story and then there's this silence there's this Mm -hmm. quiet of the heart you know or there's a breathing space where the space doesn't have to be filled and so much connection Mm -hmm. you know like even though we've known each other for a few years and like, we've had some, like every time we talk, he said, I'm always like, you know, like we always have these awesome conversations, but it's, I don't, it's like stories like that when you hear, I don't know. It's just like you get to know someone on a different level or you just feel so connected to an experience that they had. And, um, it's such a, yeah, a beautiful way to share something and feel connected to somebody and, to like draw them in and bring them in, you know? I think right there is the golden nugget of this conversation, right? That, well, there's two out of just what we even said of the the journey that happens, what actually happens versus what we thought was going to happen. And the second, you beautifully said it about that connection. Like it allows us, I think, to connect to our team members differently. You know, if we're sharing our story and we're hearing theirs, you know, there's a different level of connection between a leader and a team member. Yeah. And like listening, just to listen, to know that you don't have to like respond or, you know, like you said, like fill the space. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Like just to listen to that person's story, just to listen to them. And I feel like this is maybe in a different context, but there's this quote that I saw like a couple of weeks ago before we were um, like, just when you were, we were talking about having this conversation and I saw this quote come up and I took a picture of it and it says here, leaders who don't listen will eventually be surrounded by people who don't speak. Mm-hmm by Andy Stanley. And I just thought that was so interesting when we talk about like storytelling and listening and um, like being able to listen and to kind of put like your own mind or your own perspective or like not have it be about you, like to put that kind of on the back burner and to just like have the other person be the focus too, right? To just to be able to listen to their perspective and what their experience and their journey has been like, you know, to be able to fully be there with them. Mm. Amy, why do you think it's important for a business owner to know their story, like your own story? Say if I'm a business owner, what is, what is so vital about me understanding my story of where I've come from? Hmm. Well, I think part of it is if you want to either work with people or like draw people to you, I feel like people are definitely drawn to stories, right? Like I don't look at a someone I'm looking to work with and be like, oh, what are her packages and how much are they? Like I always go to the story page. I'm like, what's her story or his story? Like what's their deal? Like hmm. where have they been in life? What's happening to that to them or you know, and I might read a sentence or a couple words and be like, oh my God, like that is so me. And mm-hmm. I know I just feel like drawn to that person or I know that we can like relate and connect on some level. So I feel like as a business owner, like knowing your story or be able, able to share your experiences and these stories has people like come to me or like we're just like drawn together or connected in a certain way. So I just feel like it connects you with the people that you're supposed to connect with. Mm. I love that. I love that. Um, Can we go back to the word honor? I just want to talk about that word for a minute because it's not a word that's used as frequently lately, right? Lately, I mean a few decades, but I know there was a point at which the word honor was actually even just your word, right? Like even when we look at the history of storytelling alone from, uh, you know, the art depictions to symbols to um, oral storytelling to words and now, you know, even through social media and all that kind of stuff. And honor at one point was kind of a handshake honor right like Mm -hmm. I am honored to do this or um you know my honor is based on my handshake versus even something coming out of my mouth and when we say honor our story let's dive into the word honor because if we understand honor then I think we can better understand what it means to honor the story itself Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. So what does the word honor mean to you? Hmm. For me, it's like treating it with some level of like respect or reverence, you know, or if it's even holding some care for it. Um, Like it, 
it, when you were talking there, I just kept thinking about like honoring your word. Mm -hmm. And I know for me and in my life, like there's certain people that I know that if I, if they say they're going to do something, like they are going to do it. And I trust that, like, I trust the ground's going to hold me up, you know, like I just know it. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something like so special about like being able to trust somebody that much that like, you know, that they honor their word. And I remember my coach training, they talked about like, you know, use your word as like, treat it like platinum, not like tinfoil. You know what I mean? Like really, yeah. With just that like respect and reverence and honoring of like what you say. And it kind of goes back to even what we were talking about at the start. Like when I said that thing to you, like that really landed and it's just like using your words with intention. And like, if you say you're going to do something to do it, and I think that's become a thing for me in my life too. Like noticing if I said I was going to do something for somebody by a certain, that's why I like to say, I will do this by this day at this time. And mm -hmm. I know that like, okay, I said, I'm going to do this. So I'm either going to do it. Or if I'm not, I'm going to tell them, Hey, I said this, but this is what's happening and I will do it by this. And then I do it by that. Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't like, um, like the open-endedness. I love the being able to like the honor and the trust. And yeah, I really feel like it builds a trust mm -hmm. with that, with that person. And maybe even like if you honor your own story and kind of like respecting, you know, like the, what was and that experience, like, I feel like it builds a little bit of trust for sure in yourself because then yeah. it's like if something the experience didn't go maybe the way you thought like I do always trust that it's going to happen the way it's meant to happen hmm. and that takes a lot of bravery you know like to be able to trust that what is happening is exactly the way it is meant to happen I think takes courage and it takes a really um a person that's really strong in their core and they're centered and they're grounded. Um, because for me, honoring your story, I'm not, I'm, you know, all of those things of respect and trust and accountability. And to me, it also means that I recognize that the story that happened was going to happen exactly in that way, but there's a gratitude towards it even to all the shitty parts of it you know like there's a i am thankful that a b c d and e happened in that way and i honor each one of those milestones because it has created who i am today and actually is a part of the elixir that i now bring to the world because if those hadn't happened those scenarios didn't happen happened um because i think situations happen to everybody right uh, the storyline is there for everyone i think it's how we look at the story and leverage the story to be able to create the honor part of it because i don't think that's easy in me like to to honor your story as simple as those words are there's a really deep complexity to that I love the way you said about the gratitude, you know, like really like having gratitude and being grateful for like, you said, that's the word that you yeah. said, right? Was it was like, yeah, yeah. Like just, 
yeah, for that process, the way it was and the way it happened. And like, I don't know about, maybe I'm just, I also, yeah, I do trust the process and I love a good surprise, <laughs> but I find when it doesn't go maybe the way I thought, like there's usually something like way better in there than you could have imagined before. So like, mm -hmm. like you said, like imagine your life if it didn't happen that way or didn't come that way. Like I think about what if I, you know, what if I just got to the top and woohoo, it was great. And I didn't have that like moment where I was like talking to spirit, like maybe would I have ever known that I could have talked to them or, you know, like, I don't know what would have happened or how life would have been different. And mm -hmm. if I didn't have that particular experience, you know? Yeah. Cause I think we, we try to control the elements of our story so much that within the control, I think we sometimes lose the magical pixie dust moments, right? And I'm just a, a few days ago, and this is a, a simple, just a life example of something, you know, that happened. So my, my husband's been waiting for cataract surgery for quite a while. And, you know, we showed up to the clinic, it was about two and a half hour drive, showed up there and they said to us, um, oh, you know, we called you a few days ago and to tell you that the doctor actually was an in today. So we were like, okay, well, we just drove two and a half hours. What number did you call? And they gave us the number and, you know, we showed them the phone and we said, we've got no missed calls, no voicemail, etc. Um, and we said, you know, there's a secondary number because Pete's number was also on there. And we said, did you call that number? And they're like, oh, no, due to COVID, we didn't have time to talk, call the second number. So we're standing there. I, and I, Amy, I wasn't pissed off at the rescheduling because life happens, right? I get that. But you're now basing your negligence on COVID. Like, you know somebody's driving out for two and a half hours. That's a five-hour day to drive there and back. You would think that if you called us three days ago, you would try one more time or you would call the secondary number something and then not give an excuse of COVID or just say, you know, we screwed mm -hmm. up. We should have called the secondary number, but we didn't. And that would have handled the situation much better. So the young lady said to us, I'm happy to reschedule. So in that moment, I looked at Pete and I said, I need to think about this. Can we call you to reschedule? And she said, yeah, sure. So I got back into the car. We started to drive back. Of course, both of us, you know, upset because obviously he needs to get his cataract mm -hmm. surgery done. We got home. I was still so upset. I did a Facebook post about it to say, you know, we have to stop using COVID as an excuse for our unorganization or chaos or negligence and yada, yada, yada. To which one of my physician friends responded to say, have you tried this particular doctor? You know, he's amazing. And if I ever had to have private cataract surgery, this is the person I would go to. So from there, we then scheduled an appointment with this other physician, whom now we are going to go see for the consult. And Amy, that entire scenario, if we were still sitting in the rut of victimhood, because we lost control there in that moment of, you know, we can't do it here, um, yada, yada, yada. The second, the magical pixie dust moment may not have opened. Mm. Had I not said, 
can we get back to you for rescheduling? Because we could have easily rescheduled, but I didn't feel it in the moment. So I acknowledged my intuition to say, no, this doesn't feel good. You know, we'll let you know if we want to reschedule. Now, if I had come back and not done that post on Facebook, this person would not have responded. We would have not scheduled this appointment with this other doctor. Mm. who even right from the beginning has been absolutely amazing customer service. So it's interesting because I saw that post too that you had. Yeah. So like what had you, so first of all, I love that you, yeah, like you left space and then that's what came. So what had you like share that story? Like were you mad about it? Like when you did the post on Facebook? Um, I was angry, I was frustrated, and I was angry and I was frustrated, and I felt, um, I felt helpless. Mm -hmm. I felt that we have this cataract surgery, so that's the goal, I have to get it done. Um, and I felt like I was controlled by the system. So it's like, okay, well, my only option now is to reschedule with the very people who I feel were negligent, you know, in their customer service. Is that my only option? So I was feeling helpless. I was feeling frustrated. I was feeling angry. And it wasn't at someone. It was even a generalized uh, statement, a generalized story around why are we using COVID as an excuse? Mm-hmm. So yeah, when you asked me that question, it was probably three of those things was frustration, anger, and helplessness. I love that when we like put stuff out there and don't, excuse me, necessarily like censor it per se, or it could be a more, maybe not a vulnerable moment, but we're kind of just like opening, like, I feel like it's just like an opening and we're just like, here's the share. Like, I love what comes back from that. And I feel like it's like what you said, it's just in a sense, trusting that process that like what is supposed to happen is going to happen because I had a similar experience where I posted um, something on Facebook too, actually years ago and asking for support or help in a certain area. And I feel like if I was too embarrassed or... Like if I just didn't want to be like, yeah, seen as asking for help or whatnot, like I would have missed out on so many things because in that post, I actually got connected to the woman that I first learned about retreats from that. I actually went on the Piton retreat in St. Lucia. I met the other woman that I, or she connected with me and we did something together in Costa Rica. So I feel like it's, I don't know. I know we talked before about having like a little bit of humbleness or humility but I love it's like if we can just kind of get over ourselves enough like other people don't view it the same way I feel like people will want to help you know like your person who reached out to you like there's usually somebody I feel like who's like oh that's too bad and what about this like people are willing to help you know when they hear what's happening and I love it's just like that openness of accepting what might come you know And again, uh, Amy, it comes down to the essence of the story. 
it's about the story, right? Like, well, you've seen my venting post that I'm like, okay, I'm going to vent here. You know, it's up to you if you want to read it. Um, but I, you know, that raw vulnerability in the truth, I think, you know, people perceive that as weakness. And yet I find it to be quite the contrary. You know, it shows that we are humans first and that we are going to go through shitty days and such, you know, shitty situations. And, but it's what we make of it that matters in that story. Mm -hmm. You know, Amy, I'm, re I'm reminded of a, another topic now as we're saying this is, and this is going to sound maybe a little bit cliche, but it's about the essence of communication. You know, it's, I find it interesting that in elementary school and high school, we don't teach a course on communication, which I find is the most fundamental uh, aspect of being a human being. Like how we communicate, whether it's through visuals, whether it's, you know, auditory, whether it's through written word, I find that that ability to tell a story in that raw vulnerability, to be able to share your emotions, to be able to put the truth on the table for everybody to see. And yet we're not taught the basic essence of communication, like the actual fundamentals of how we talk to each other. Totally. And I feel like it's about like how like relating to people and being able to relate and to like look people in the eye and like yeah just that's just what came up for me a lot when you were speaking was that like relationship and how we relate to each other and I find yeah a lot of time is spent you know looking down and and doing this you know on our phones or whatnot and to even just like be with somebody and to look at them like how often do you even do that in your life you know mm -hmm. maybe you might do that with the people that you live with maybe you might not maybe you're passing you don't have dinner together or whatnot like it's like we don't necessarily even like slow down and just like look at each other and I remember doing this at like a conference and it was so uncomfortable you know it's like okay now look in the person's left eye and I was like oh this is like you just feel like you're sitting there naked almost you yeah. know like to just be able to just like look at each other you know mm -hmm. and I wonder if it's first maybe it is like looking at them you wonder like what are they thinking about me yeah or like what are they seeing when they look at me like you feel almost very exposed and i feel like that yeah just like that openness that being so exposed and if you like allow yourself to be that way a little bit like what might come from that and amy you know now that you remind me of that eye uh looking into the eye I found when I do that exercise that words become irrelevant. You can actually feel and sense the other person. Like there's no, like literally I wouldn't need words. I wouldn't need somebody to tell me their story because the story is depicted through the glaze, through, through the glaze, gaze, gaze, through mm. the gaze. And I found that fascinating. It was like I knew that person, and I'd never know. I wouldn't. I'd never known their name. I'd never met that person, and yet five minutes of eye-to-eye -eye contact, I felt like I knew them as a person. Yeah, I, f I feel like it's brought like so many different emotions for me. Like some, it's like 
a real like a rawness, a sadness, like despair. And other people, it's been like overwhelming love. And with other people, it's been this like, like just a lot of like juicy, like sensuality. You know what I mean? Like just the like, yeah, like it's just so interesting what can come when you just like allow yourself to be seen and you're with someone else that allows you to be seen. And like you said, you don't have to say anything like almost words would ruin it in a sense you know it's just that like that connection and maybe there's something in like yeah I don't I'm just thinking about tying that back to storytelling in a sense too Mm -hmm. like it sometimes it can be said like yes obviously we normally use our words to communicate but so much just comes through that like obviously body language, but even just in that like rawness, you know, and the ability to let whatever might fill the silence, like fill it and just be there with it. And even though it's uncomfortable, like to just be with it, you know, you know, um, totally outside the box thinking here. What a fascinating experiment experience pilot, whatever you want to call it, to have between a leader and a team member. Wouldn't that be super cool if a leader chose to do just, you know, the eye-to-eye experience with any any team member, they could pick any team member, but five minutes, I think, um, what a freaking shift in business. Can you imagine, like, what? We could come from, yeah, just that like being there and supplier. seeing each other in that way. Yeah, or your supplier or your vendor or a stakeholder. Yeah. It would be as uncomfortable as crap. <laughs> but, but, you know, if somebody was willing, I think, to, to be there, it would be a pretty fantastic experience. And I think like, okay, if I'm like providing a service to somebody and to that somebody, like we had that like moment together, like, you know, I'm serving that person first. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I would, like, you don't know what it would have people do because they just, there's that like level of relationship there and that level of community, like unspoken communication. And, you know, I just feel like it would like raise up the level of service that's being provided yeah you know you know uh amy when i when i talk to ceos about their legacy i always bring it back to what stories do people tell about you around their dining room table for me that's the essence (laughs) of legacy it's not what people tell you to their face it's not what people tell you in their workplace it's what do people say about you around their dining room table? What do they say about you after a day of work where they've come home and they're talking to like, how did their day go when they tell that story? Of, oh, you know, I had a wonderful day today or I had a really crappy day today. Like what is the essence of that story? Because as I think I, I started off the show with the essence of that story is what builds the legacy of that person. Right? So Amy, what does the word, le- like, what does that connection look like for you, if any, in relation to storytelling and legacy? Yeah, I think what came to mind as you were speaking is that we really don't know 
what people are going to say about us around the dining room table. Mm-hmm. Like, I might have never known that you told that story about the like the saying no, mm-hmm. or I've had other people. I'm trying to think of like things that even that I've shared with people, like just so you know, this had a huge impact. Um, for example, one of I think it was our very first conversation when you were doing those sessions with the cards. Mm-hmm. And you shared with me that because something had come up and I was really frustrated. I was like, why is this coming up? Like, I've already dealt with this. It was in the past. Like, I want it to be done. And you said something to me to the effect of whenever something comes up, it's it's coming up in this way because you're different. Maybe you're able to work through it at a new level. So you're like, it's not the same thing coming up. It's something different. And you can go to a different level. And it was like this, like, just ding moment. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and I have shared that with quite a few people. Like, well, I can think of definitely two people offhand and it's had them treat themselves with so much more compassion. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my gosh, here I'm getting mad at myself for the same thing. And really it's not because this has shifted. This has shifted. I'm actually able to look at it in this way now, or maybe go to a different depth that I wasn't like prepared to go before and so yeah I think it's almost like we don't necessarily know what people are going to say about us around the table but if we like honor our own story and like share that and do it you know if it's in a real authentic way um I almost feel like that's that's the part we can control if we want to you know like if we want to live to that and then people will say what they will. Mm. Um, because I think if I was always concerned and I know this isn't maybe the way that you meant the question, but if I always thought like, how might they tell this story afterwards to a friend or whatever, I feel like that would stop me from saying what was in here. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it's, yeah, if you live it from here and mm. what will come will come, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's trusting what's coming out of your mouth, right? The, and it's trusting also, I think, the story that you're telling in that moment in time, right? Because you can tell the wrong story at the wrong time, right? So, yeah, a lot of the, I, so, and you thought we weren't going to have nuggets in this conversation. <laughs> I laugh. I laugh. Um, so the word honoring of the journey, the word connection around, you know, connecting differently with people, the different ways in which we communicate sometimes without even mm-hmm. saying words, all of those things combined with the essence, of course, of communication all of them combined into this world, a, a, a space in which we can tell about ourselves, mm. right? And you said that, and I, I couldn't get into it uh, at the time, but you talked about leaving space, mm. like not having to rush to a response or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, when I was telling the story of the, the cataract place, um, you said, you know, it's you left space. And you're right, you know, that leaving of the space 
left room to create something else in that storyline. So now I've told that story on Facebook, which stimulated all that I've told it here. And it is probably going to be a story that I'm going to tell multifolds over, right? Mm. Given just the lesson that we learned out of that story. Mm -hmm. So Amy, in closing, <laughs> 7.5 billion people around the world listening to what is in Amy's heart. Mm. What would you say? I want to say that um, you, whoever you are out there, like you matter, that you are, like you are valued just by like being you and being here on this planet in this time in this space and I feel like we are myself included like we're too quick to like undermine ourselves or cut ourselves short or not trust that like feeling or thinking that like what we have to say or what we want to do or the tor the story that we want to tell like doesn't really matter and going back to what you said to me at the start of this conversation, like we have to just trust that the one person who's ever meant to hear this is going to hear it. And that's why we're talking. And so I feel like if you, if there's like a story or something that you feel called to share, like share it, it matters because we never know like who the audience might be for that story and they need to hear what you have to say. Hmm. Beautiful. Amy, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I look forward to other conversations that you and I are going to have because we touched on so many conversations, um, especially in relation to the eye experience, like looking into each other's eyes. There was one topic of interest there, that, that emotional intelligence piece, right? That, that loop of emotional connection that you have with the other person. So perhaps another day we can explore that. But thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on the Dr. Judy Show. Uh, look forward to bringing you a really exciting topic again next week. And until then, be safe out there and take care.